There are 48 ways. It's a list in Ethics of Our Fathers, the Mishnah. It's the sixth chapter, the sixth Mishnah. We study this list one every day and we discuss how to use it. And number four on this list is Bevinat Halev. Bevinat means with understanding. Halev is of the heart. Now what does that mean, understand your heart? So even in today's colloquialism, if you use the expression, my heart is lifted, my heart hurts me, my heart is broken, everybody understands what you're talking about, right? The heart is the seat of, of your feelings, of how you're approaching life. There are two aspects of understanding your heart. One is know yourself. You've got to know where you're coming from. Second aspect is that if you want to live, you've got to learn to make it part of you, bring it back to your emotions. A lot of people believe in God. There are very few people who live with God. Does that make sense? You've got to assimilate something that you've accepted as true. It's got to become part of you. Okay, so first, before we talk about how to go about it, I want to point out the necessity. And there is a, a book that really everybody should read. It's, it's a book of the 20th century. It's called Passages. It's by a lady called uh, Gail Sheen. Our book is talking about the different crises that uh, human beings in the 20th century meet. You graduate high school and you go to college. You remember the crisis? All of a sudden, it's a different ball game. Uh, can you cope? Can you study on your own? It's a, it's different. Yeah. All right, but it's nothing compared to the crisis when you graduate college and now you got to get a job. You got to do something. That's really that's really heavy. You know, all of a sudden you got to test yourself and you got to get a job and you got got to make your way, you got to be independent. Then there's another crisis, that uh, you get married. And another crisis, uh, you're successful at your job. Now you figure out whether you really wanted this job in the first place. Yeah, And uh, it's a series of different crises. And the final crisis, when you're uh, 55 and you ask yourself, what was life about? You know, was it worth it? I'm sure you've come across a story about a fellow who was a doctor and he was... Uh, at 45 years old, a successful doctor, and he decided he never wanted to go into medicine in the first place. He drops it and becomes an artist. Did you ever hear that one? It's full of these stories of people all of a sudden changing direction, quitting what they're doing, leaving their wife and children, getting divorced. They're in a different headspace. Now, what does that tell us about something? If a fella could be a doctor until he's 45, you know, he went through medical school, he struggled, he set himself up, now he's a successful doctor, and he says, I don't want to do this in the first place. This isn't my thing. It means you can go that far without knowing what your thing is. That's pretty dangerous. It takes a lot of guts at 45 to change to what you think your thing is. Imagine if he's 55 and he has to change again. <laughs> that would be sticky. The second thing that I'd like to point out to you is we all know people that we'd be fascinated to meet. There's somebody that we'd be fascinated to meet him and find out you know, what makes him tick. But did you ever realize who's the most fascinating human being that you could ever meet? Yourself. Because anything that you're interested in finding out, it's because you want to find out. You can't be interested in what anybody else is interested in without being interested in what you're interested in. <laughs> you have to start with yourself. 
So really the most fascinating human being you could ever meet is yourself. question is, can we get an introduction? That's what this way is about. So how do we go about it? So number one is the first step, the big first step, is get in touch with yourself. Which means what? Introspect. Sit down, say hello, introduce yourself to yourself, get familiar with yourself like you would get familiar with another stranger. Let's say you met somebody, long lost cousin, you say, hello, how are you? What have you been doing? What's going on? That's what you got to do with yourself. So number two is, how to do it is simply ask questions and wait for answers. Nobody's going to poke fun at you. Ask yourself, are you really happy? Are you happy with what you're doing? Why did you get into this in the first place? What would you like to do? What are your dreams? What are your secret ambitions? You can ask yourself any question you like. Just wait. You'll get an answer. What do you think about love? What do you think about sex? What do you think about war? Is it worth living? (laughs) And take the time as if it was a stranger that you had absolute confidence in. Answer the questions. B of this is that appreciate it can take you months to get thoroughly acquainted with yourself. You have a fascinating partner for months. And when you thoroughly know yourself, then you know what? You've changed. The world has changed around you. You've changed in relations to the world. You can get reacquainted. Okay, number three is that in Jewish consciousness, the most important particular subject that you should get in touch with is, we've mentioned it a few times, anybody have a guess? What's the most important subject that you should interview yourself thoroughly about? What are you living for? What do you really want out of life? See, of course, you, you want to get a college degree, you want to be rich, you want to be famous, you want... Yeah, but what do you really want all this for? What is driving you? Now, we all want to be good. What do you mean by that? Why do you want to be good? We want approval. What do, what do we want approval for? To reassure ourselves that we're good. You want to accomplish something. You want meaning. You want impact. Get down to the basic. What do you really want out of life? Number four is... The same thing goes, and it's not as important, but it's extremely important. Everybody should know why you're doing what you're doing. Whatever you do, you're going to college, why are you going to college? You want to get married, why? Somebody's touring, you're asking, you know, why, why did you go out? You want to get away from it all, you want experiences, why do you want experiences? Not enough experiences at home, you want something different, you're bored with what you've been doing. Do you have friends? you want to test yourself? What do you want to test yourself about? Do I have guts? Why should you think you don't have guts? Go ahead. Get acquainted. And be perfectly frank. It's yourself. So B of this is that at first you'll find that you should put down all the reasons, good and bad, the silly and the... And the stupid reasons and the reasons that make sense. I'm touring because I had nothing else to do this summer. I'm going to college because I like the fraternity house. There are good reasons, too. You've got to make a living. I'm going to college, get a degree. It's a way of you know, preparing yourself to make money. And what do you think? Uh, parental pressures. Is that a good reason or a bad reason? A silly reason? It's not so silly, yeah? But it's a halfway reason, right? My parents will kill me if I don't go to college. <laughs> they'll disown me. Or they'll certainly chew my ears off, yeah? 
or I don't feel like taking a job, so it's a good way of hiding out. But put it all down. You should know all these currents that are getting you on the way. See if this is that after you put down all the reasons, then go over them and pick out the particular reason that you wouldn't be doing what you're doing if it wasn't there. You see, there's a dozen reasons for a person to go to college. Prepare himself to make a living. His parents would kill him if he doesn't. He likes uh, the atmosphere, the social life. Uh, he's curious about information. He doesn't feel like getting a job. And it could be a dozen different reasons, right? But there's always one, or at the most two reasons, that if you take that out of the picture, he wouldn't be there. One time it's parental pressure. He <laughs> wouldn't be there, right? Another time it's... Uh, it doesn't matter. You have to pick the particular reason that you're there. Why? Because at least if you know why you're doing something, you know whether it's good, it's bad, it's indifferent, and you know what you got to do to get there. Know what's driving you. Number five is that appreciate that it's important that you do this. Don't wait until you're 55 to change your career. You see? Don't wait until you're 55 to find that you're in a malaise and you'll go to a psychiatrist and, and that is what a psychiatrist will do for you. Is that right? You pay him 200 bucks an hour, you get a good, good top-notch psychiatrist and he'll sit you down on the couch and he'll say, so why did you go to uh, medicine? I mean, what was driving you? And you'll start talking. My parents wanted me to be a doctor and... And I thought that I had an... And you'll start talking. You'll start talking. You'll start talking. You know what? You'll get to know yourself, and perhaps that will alleviate some of the pressure. That's what a psychiatrist, a good psychiatrist, will get you to do. He'll unlock you. Yeah? Do it yourself. Find out now. The B of this is that in order to unlock yourself, always remember, it's fascinating. Know yourself. That's the idea. Know what makes you tick just for that purpose itself. Number six is, you should put down your reason you're going to college to make a living. You're going to college because you want a BA. It's respectful. It's respectable. I mean, you can make a living in other ways. You can get a job now. Yeah, but you want the prestige of a BA, of a PhD. It's part of it. Yeah. Okay, so whatever reasons you have, you want prestige. Why do you want prestige? You want your parents' approval. Why do you want your parents' approval? You want the social atmosphere. Why do you want the social atmosphere? Don't just stay there, but find a why to the why to the why to get to the basic. The reason we want prestige is because it makes us feel worthwhile. The reason we want to be worthwhile is because we want meaning. You want your parents' approval. Why? Because you want to feel secure. What does security mean? You want to be protected. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm not going to tell you why. Yeah? But you've got to know why. Does that make sense? That you've got to get down to the why of the reasons that you're giving. All right, number seven is, ask yourself, why should you be doing what you're doing? Now, let's say you're, you're, you're going to college in any case, right? You know all the reasons that you're going to college, right? But why really should you go to college? We should be going to college to get information, to get wisdom, to get an education. Why should you get an education? To prepare yourself to make money, to prepare yourself for living? Yeah. There's a reason that you should. We have wisdom. We know. Yeah. You're going touring. What should a person who's going touring, why should he be touring? 
You're helping someone. Now, the reason you might help someone is because you want people to approve of you. But why should you help someone? We know why we should be doing something, even if we're doing it for a completely different reason altogether. So whatever you're doing, ask yourself, what should be driving me? And then, as a separate step, number eight is, ask yourself, what's in the way? You say to yourself that I should be studying, I should be going to college to get an education, to know the subject, to be an excellent engineer. So why aren't you doing this? What's holding you back? What's holding you back? You should be there to study. That's what makes sense. If you're going to college, study. If you want company, you want the society, you want your parents' approval. And that's separate. But you know, if you're going to college, you should be getting an education. Okay, so why aren't you getting an education? What's holding you back? Laziness. I don't know which education I want. I'm not really interested in education. You got a problem. Discover what's holding you back. And try to remove the obstacles so that you do whatever you're doing well. There's something holding you back from doing whatever you're doing well. Number nine is, now we're ready to go sophisticated into the big, wide world. And that is, what do you think about God? What do you think about humanity, about the meaning of existence? This is the big, wide world. At least get a proper reflection of where you are. Don't just use slogans or uh, things that you heard. What do you think about God? God is scary. What do you think about good and evil? About free will? What do you feel about these subjects? Unpleasant to think about? Why is it unpleasant? Track it down. Take your time. Sort yourself out. These are the real basic aspects of living. You know that. They are basic aspects of living. Number ten is... Now, you're ready to tackle living, which means your problems. First, note them. What do you consider your problems? I'm not motivated enough. I'm not disciplined. I'm not organized. I'm not, I can't make decisions. I'm uh, slightly inclined to uh, depression. I lack self-confidence. I mean, everybody's got their problems, is that right? I'm a little, uh, a little bit depressed uh, constantly, underneath it all. Yeah? I feel a failure. Everybody's got their problems. Is that right? So first, take note of them. And that's getting in touch with yourself. As long as you don't face them, they're, like, uh, they're, they're bugging you from behind. Yeah, face up to them, put them down on a piece of paper. You got these are your problems. That's it. That's your problem. That's itself a good, a good step in a healthy direction. I got my problems, all right? At least now you got them on a piece of paper, maybe you'll forget about them. <laughs> yeah. But at least you know what they are. B of this is, find out why. Why don't you have self-confidence? What's the matter? If you have self-confidence, you can tie your shoes, you can dial a telephone number. Then what, what is it that you don't have self-confidence? You know, interview yourself. What's going on? Yeah. Feel you can't make decisions. Why can't you make decisions? Is it you don't know how to go about making decisions? Is it that you doubt... That you doubt your, uh, your decisions after they're made, or that you don't feel like making a decision. What's the problem? Take your time. The answer is there. Dig it up. Now, see if this is, get in touch with yourself. What is the solution to the problem? You have the answer, too. Just like you know your problem, you have the answer. It takes time. <laughs> yeah, it takes time. Who else is worth your time? 
Alright, number 11 is that it's important also to get in touch with your emotional state. Everybody should always take a reading of how you're feeling. That's your, like your temperature. You know, you're sick, you, you should know you're sick. Yeah? If you know you're in a euphoric mood, watch your decisions. Don't buy a stereo set when you're euphoric, when everything is great. You know, wait, 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 think it over. Or when you're angry, or when you're miserable, or when you're depressed. A person should read what's going on, first of all, to take note and to take precautions of that state. In Jewish consciousness, we say on a tanit, a fast day, be particularly cautious of arguing with people. You get angry easy when you're fasting. You gotta know, that's the way it is. Be particularly cautious, be cautious about anger. You're susceptible. Does that make sense? So a person should know if I'm irritated, you're coming home, take extra precautions before you get into a fight with your wife. You know, the boss chewed you out, you're angry, watch out before you go home so that you don't chew your wife out and she'll chew the children out. Is there a way to trigger within yourself to check out how you're feeling? Because often we'll just get swept away by the emotion and we won't. All these things, and it sounds like so much to do. You remember when you were learned how to drive a shift car? Did anybody here learn how to drive a shift car? You figure it's so many things to do. You got to put it in the first, and where is first, and where is second, and third, and the clutch, and you forget the clutch and put on the brake and put on the gas instead of the clutch. And so many things to do. Yeah, but after you get used to it, it goes in the subconscious. Yeah? So you should always take a reading. How am I feeling? So that you, you're armed with it, yeah? Then you should take it the next step and find out why are you feeling that way. You're irritated, track it down because the boss chewed me out. So what? So what are you irritated? Because I resent him. So what? So what, why does that bother you? Because I feel I am no good. You're no good? He's nuts. Get out of it. Track it down. If we don't track it down, we're just uh, diffused, irritation. But you understand that you take it the next step and try to deal with these things and turn on the right emotions. The same thing goes with the positive emotions. You're happy? Track it down. Something made you happy. You've got a clue. What made you happy? Well, I got up in the morning, I said it's a gorgeous day, and I feel great today. It's got me energy, etc. So what happened? Well, nothing really happened. I just got up on the right side. (laughs) Friend, learn how to get up on the right side. Does that make sense? It's a good, energizing feeling. Yeah. Or, I feel great. Why do you feel great? Well, the boss complimented me. So what? What does that mean? So I knew that I did a good job. Yeah. So if it wasn't for the boss's compliment, yeah, you need the boss's compliment to tell you you did a good job? Get the pleasure out of doing a good job. In other words, learn from your success, correct your mistakes by keeping in touch with yourself. Number 12 is that in Judaism we say everybody should know the undercurrents, the riptides that course within us. Everybody should know himself as to what is his basic drives. Now we all, all of us human beings are tremendously subject to social pressure. We're all susceptible. If people say you're an idiot, you're strange, we cringe, yeah? We cringe and if people say, ah, that's great, we blow up. It's all of us. So be careful because that social pressure can 
take you to the movies. Oh, you're such a wonderful person. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Watch out for that social pressure and stand up against it. So B of this is that realize that there's a lot of other things that make you tick. We all need self-respect. We need it. And a lot of things that we're doing is for self-respect. We all want approval. We all need pleasure. We all desire escape. So a person should map out these things, these eddies and currents that pull you this way and that way and this way so that you know how to steer. In Judaism we say that the Almighty, whatever He created, like He created lust not to trip us up. He created sex not to wipe out half of mankind in daydreams, yeah? But for the one percent of mankind or the uh, half of a percent of mankind that are using it as a powerful incentive to know reality. Social pressure is to keep people from killing each other, you know? It makes you polite, please pass the sword, thank you, you're welcome, pardon me, so sorry, and it keeps people from, I'll kill you, you know, pardon me. It's good, you follow? And social pressure is what really makes us tick, because if only I could put you on the New York Times bulletin board, broadcast all over the world as to how many of the 48 ways you have mastered thoroughly, yeah? Then, man, you'll be going through it like a... You see that? So it's good to reinforce like a jet stream, right? The jet streams are charted so that if, you, if they're going in your direction, if you're a pilot, you get into the jet stream to push you along a little faster. And if there's pushing the other way, then you go above him or below him, so that it doesn't slow you down. You understand? So you've got to chart these different jet streams, yeah, so that you take them along the path that you want to go, and you don't get smashed up when you're banging up against one that, that's against you, yeah? You have to sort of know what's, what's going on. Is there a positive use for escape? Sure. Escape is that when you're watching this boring movie, right? Escape! (laughs) You're suffering? Get out of it! Number 13 is, know the volcano of that conflict within you. You see that we want greatness, power, fame. We want, at the same time, we feel like running away. There's, There's a volcano there, yeah? We want to be tough, dedicated, powerful, and we feel like being marshmallows, yeah? Now, this is a volcano. This is a riptide constantly struggling. So, B of this is, in Judaism, we say, be aware of this. Bring the conflict out in the open. Don't kid yourself. Don't ever say, I don't care if I go to hell. Don't say that. That's ridiculous, you know? What you're saying is, I am defiant of reality. If there's a hell, you don't want to go to hell. You know, a guy says, I don't care if I go to hell. At the same time, you ask him, how about Harlem? He says, I don't want to go. (laughs) Hell is all right, but Harlem, not for me. So really, what you're saying is that you are defiant. I I am angry at God. I am angry at the concept that there is reward and punishment. And that it is eternal. It disturbs me. Oh, okay, now you know. But there's a volcano here, you know, you follow? Chart it.
get it out in the open. What B of this is, basic source of this volcano is what? We have two natures. We have a soul and a body. The soul wants greatness. It's not afraid of nothing. The body is afraid of its own shadow. On one hand, we want to accomplish. We want self-respect. We want to be tough. We want to do the right thing. We want to apologize and do it with flair, with pleasure, and with an openness in a forthright manner. And we feel like forgetting the whole thing, hiding, running away, and saying it's not my fault. You see that? So get, it, get it out in the open. See the result of this and everything that you do. Because it's driving you. <laughs> no, no one's driving you. That's what free will is about. Know how it's going on. Don't let free will be a subconscious thing. Okay, number 14 is that whenever you hear a statement of wisdom or of right, of wrong, of whatever it is that you're studying, that has to do with living, we should respect our parents, right? See the conflict. Change. Just change sets us off into conflict. We don't feel like changing. I might be brainwashed. it's It's a whole emotional turmoil. Be aware of this because that's the only way you can sort things out. Number 15 is that the Musa movement, which is very famous in Judaism, there's the Hasidus movement, and there's the Musa movement. In Judaism we say any aspect of truth can be made a whole, it, it can enlighten all of life. And any aspect of the 48 ways can be made a whole way of living. Transcendental meditation, one aspect of purity. Intellectual purity, quantity-wise, and one aspect of that is meditation. There's concentration, Meditation, yeah, that's one aspect. Yoga, the discipline yoga, is accept frustration. That is, ten different ways of accepting frustration. One aspect of accepting frustration is physical frustration. Don't itch your nose. Accept that as a discipline. You will not itch your nose, and all of a sudden your nose starts itching. That used to be a yoga exercise in the cheder. When we did something naughty, we'd say to ourselves, all right, for two hours I won't itch my nose, and for two hours the nose itched. You disciplined yourself. <laughs> Try it. Say it now. I won't itch my nose. You'll see right away. There it goes. <laughs> but it's, it's an aspect. You see, the Muslim movement used one aspect of Bina Talev. And that aspect of Bina Talev is there are two types of Muslim movements. And one is, the first one is track down all your motivations for whatever you do and destroy the wrong motivations. You see, you gave charity, Right? Now, one of the motivations is I want to help my fellow man. Another one is the pleasure of being constructive. That's positive. A third one is I want to do the right thing. That's positive. Don't worry about the positive motivation. Yeah. The negative one is I want people to admire me. That's the wrong reason. You know it's the wrong reason to give charity. You follow? The next time you give charity, give it anonymously. Eliminate the wrong reasons. Because they are insidious. They are destructive. The second aspect of the Muslim movement is track down your general motivations like pride, self-respect, lust, and improve your character. Remove the bad motivations, not from the deed, but from your character. All right, number 16 is that it's exceedingly important to know yourself, to introspect, and get control of your decision-making, self-awareness mechanism. You gotta know, how do you know you know? How do you make a decision? How do you know you're on the right path? How do I know I'm not making a mistake now? How do I know I'm right? I made the right decision.
So, A of this is that the most important first step is to know what you know. In order to do that, make a list of all your convictions and sort them out. You see, our concept of decision-making, of our perceptions, is as weak as its weakest link. So if in your convictions lies something that I know I exist, I know I have ten fingers, and I know that abortion is perfectly okay, yeah, or that homosexuality is completely normal. Now, in your makeup, there's, mm, there's something I know that isn't too true. I don't know that I know it. So then you don't have confidence in anything you know. Do you get it? So make a list of all your convictions and sort them out. What are you sure of? Ten fingers. Put that separate. But I want to do the right thing. Put that separate. Are you sure you want to do the right thing? Well, sometimes I feel like doing... That's all right. I want to do the right thing. I feel like doing <laughs> the wrong thing. But I know I want to do the right thing. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? I want to do the right thing, but I feel like doing the wrong thing. Okay, that's a problem. I don't know what that means. But I know I want to do the right thing. Do you want to live in reality? I know I want to live in reality. Well, then why don't you go after it? That's a problem. But I know I want reality. Yeah. But do you feel like, do you enjoy illusions? Yeah. All right. Just sort it out. And the things that you're not quite sure of, put it in a separate box. The things that you want to, to reevaluate, put that in a third box. Then you'll come out with maybe only ten things you're sure of, but boy, it's powerful. You know what being sure means, you know, like rock bottom, this is it, I know this, yeah? Then you can sort out the rest of it according to the degrees, as how close it is to this. This is your facsimile, this is your, your measure of clarity. And you sort out the rest to see how close it can get to it. Okay, B of this is that the second most important thing is to gain confidence in your decision-making. So in order to do that, you see, you have to know when you're making decisions or when you're just floating, when you're just falling into place. See, we don't have confidence in our decision-making capacity because we say, I chose to go to college. You didn't choose to go to college. It had nothing to do with the decision. It was something that you just went into because you graduated high school and everybody was doing it. You did it. You didn't think it through. You didn't make a decision. When you think through, then you can have confidence in your decisions. So you have to regain control of the decision-making ability to see that you can have confidence. Of course, we make mistakes, but large and wide, when we make decisions, we're okay. It's when we don't make decisions that our, that decision is a bad one. I hope I, I, I got across that, that point. It's very important. All right, number 17 is that for living and wisdom, don't rationalize. Don't kid yourself. If you're confronted or criticized, check it out. What do you feel? What's reality? Somebody's telling you you need tools for living. Yeah. So don't say, well, I don't. I don't. Come on, confront for living. Do you need it or don't you? What do you say? What do you know? Perception. Don't kid yourself. Don't say it's not important. Don't say, I've heard this, so I haven't heard it. But focus with all the power of introspection. Don't kid yourself, I'm happy enough for this. Come on. Happiness is an important thing to know. Of course it is. Straight. Don't kid yourself. Use your introspection to stay on target. You know what you know. Right, there's a second section, and that is bring it home to your feelings. And this is hard work. This is Roman numeral two. Now, we say that Bina Talev also means to realize what you know. 
So we can just say one thing there, and that is appreciate that it is hard work to live with a conviction. Appreciate it. It's hard work. For instance, you say happiness is an obligation, or love is an obligation, or that there is a God. I know that there is a God, and He runs this world. It's very difficult to live with this as a realization. We still blame others for being unhappy. We think fate is against us when we're miserable, even though we know that it's up to us, even though we made that decision. But to live with a decision is to get rid of bad habits, to get it into your emotional realization. You need tools for that. We don't have time to discuss the tools. Why do we need this? Why do we need to introspect? So, if you don't know yourself, you know nothing. If you don't possess yourself, you possess nothing. If you don't know what makes you tick, you're a robot, a puppet, or a zombie. Make sense? You gotta know yourself, or you're not living. Knowing yourself is the very basis of being alive. What can we do about this? So we say do an assignment one time. Do an assignment. So I would say. Conduct an interview. If you had a friend that was very close, what would you want to know about him? His dreams, his desires, his plans, his ambitions, why he's doing what he's doing. Put out ten questions that you would ask an intimate friend if you could have complete intimacy with him. Yeah. What would you want to know about another human being? Then take those ten questions and interview yourself. What would you like to know? Learn it from yourself. You have the answers. Write it down and discover. You have been listening to Voices from Jerusalem. For a complete listing of our cassettes, see our web store at aish.com. For a free cassette catalog, email us at voices at aish.com or call toll free in the U.S. one eight hundred Voices three. Our main office is at one Western Wall Plaza, Jerusalem, Israel. Shalom from Jerusalem.